Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome to Better on the Inside, a podcast about working for a church without losing your soul. I am John Pyle. I am your host and digital pastor, and I am so thankful that you're joining us. Today, my guest is a guy named Jonathan Carone, and this show, sometimes we have people on that kind of educate us and teach us and hopefully fill your tank a little bit if you're somebody who works in ministry or is connected to church or even is over church, but hopefully it just fills your soul a little bit. We have guests that do that. We have guests that talk about kind of the big picture, the phenomenon of what we're talking about and whether, you know, churches are struggling or what the solutions are to some of the problems and how we can actually have cultures that are better on the inside and not chewing uh, people up and spitting them out. And so... Those are the two kind of frameworks of generally the people that are on the show. Mind you, Jonathan comes and he drops knowledge on both, right? He has stuff that I think will fill your soul. And he is a kindred spirit in a lot of ways as we talk about exactly what's going on with church culture, why churches hurt so many people, why so many people are deconstructing and leaving the church. And we also talk about some of the solutions. What are some of the things we can do to create cultures that are better on the inside? He is a graphic designer and marketing maven. You can find him at car1designs, coronedesigns.com. You can find him on Twitter at Jonathan underscore Carone. And he has a great TikTok account that I love. And that's how we connected. And so I would recommend following him there. Reach out to him for your marketing needs. Check him out on the Unlearning Youth Group podcast, which is, uh, he makes a profound reason for why he's doing that podcast. But our conversation is really, really good. I really enjoyed my time with him, even though this is really my first time meeting him, right? Uh, talking to him in person. So I hope you enjoy the podcast with Jonathan. We talk about politics. We talk about authority. We talk about empathy, the church, the whole deal. I think you're going to get a lot out of this one. All right. Love you guys. I'll see you later. Hey, what's up y'all here on better on the inside. And I am joined by a new friend. I love making new friends. It's part of my personality. Jonathan Carone. What's up, Jonathan? How you doing? Hey, Good. Thanks for letting me be on here for a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Well, and a fellow Jonathan. So it's Jonathan to Jonathan. Love that. <laughs> but I was watching TikTok and, you know, as as we do as an elder millennial, and I was just like, dude, this guy is saying amazing stuff. And then um, I started listening. I listened to your podcast, Deconstructing Youth Group. Unlearning, unlearning youth, group. youth Group. Dang it. Okay. I, un- yep. No, you're good. Unlearning Youth Group. And I was like, this guy's good. And I started listening and you were you were making some great TikToks and doing all that. You are a small business owner, marketing kind of guy. And so I was like, I got to have this guy on the podcast, dropped a message and you were up for it, which I appreciate. So thank you for joining us. Absolutely. I love talking to people. And so I work from home by myself. So it's <laughs> like I get to talk to people and, and I'm like, okay, we'll do that. I'm all for it. Let's do yeah, it. Are you an extrovert? I am. Okay. So I'm an extrovert who works at home with the dog. So I go to the gym just like as much to talk to other people as I do to work out. <laughs> okay. So you're one of and those so, people like, and yeah, and my wife, my wife will be at the gym at the same time. And she's a nurse who is an introvert. So she goes to the gym, wants to put her headphones in and talk to nobody. Meanwhile, I'm like <laughs> talking to everybody because it's the first time I've been around adults for the entire day. Yeah. And so that's just how we're different. Okay. That's hilarious because my wife's a teacher and is an introvert. And so when she comes home, her introvert, her extroverting is done. It's just like, no, I, they've put the face on, they've done it. They're dead. Yeah. And my wife's in bed at like eight o'clock at night. Cause she just needs to sit there and read a book and not talk to anybody unless she's telling me every detail of her day. And then she can go to bed and recharge to do the whole thing again tomorrow. Oh, that's incredible. And I'm like, Oh, Hey, 
hey, hey, I want to talk to people. Hey, let's talk to people. This is how I get energy. Oh, yeah, you want me to go to the grocery store? Okay, I'll go to the grocery store. She's like, I, I hate for you to run out and have to go do that. I'm like, no, get me away from these kids. I, I am like, I, I will go walk around the grocery store and find what we need. I will go pick up dinner. What do we need to do? Let, let's go do it. Oh my gosh, we're living the exact same life. <laughs> and what's funny is that you actually, we were talking before we started recording, and you talked about some of the cities that you talked about moving to. And I'm in San Antonio, Texas. So I'm like, okay. in an alternate reality, there's a reality where you moved to San three Antonio. Years ago, we would have moved there. Yeah, and we would have been, we, we might have known each other. It would have been amazing. <laughs> uh, so, Jonathan, uh, in, you have started the podcast Unlearning Youth Group and you've been talking to people and it struck a chord with people, particularly mm -hmm. people that work at church or used to work in church. Mm -hmm. And so talk a little bit about like the chord that you feel like it struck as you're figuring out some of the things of how the podcast uh, is successful. So the, where the podcast started uh, two years ago, I said to a friend in a conversation, I hate the fact that we're having to go to therapy for, for youth group. Mm. And it was in a conversation of some things that some bad things that they were taught in in youth group that they're having to unlearn and re relearn and those things. So that was the genesis for the podcast. So I knew I wanted to talk about some of these things that we learned and that we taught because I was I mean I have a master's in student ministry. I worked in in student ministry, so I am one of those people. Uh, the things that we taught or did in youth group that had good intentions, but just turned out with bad results because we didn't know any better. Yeah. So when we started the show, that's what it was for. We were thinking people like, I'm 35, Eric, my co-host is 38. We assumed it'd be people in their 30s and early 40s who went through things around the same time we did, maybe some people in their 20s that would jump on board and would listen. Right. And the thing that has surprised us a ton is the amount of current and former student ministry people, both vocational and leaders, or just pastors in general who have jumped on board and are listening to the show and are finding healing in it even. Like people yeah. who have had bad church experiences, who have left churches in bad ways and have really been questioning. I mean, we know where the church has gone the last five years. We mm. know what's been going on in that. Uh, we can talk about it more in detail if you want, but I when people leave the church, they have these questions and they haven't found a place to answer them. That's why the deconstruction movement has gotten so much traction and people are asking all these questions. And the way we approach it is we're saying on Christ, the solid rock, I stand like yeah. we know Jesus. Like we may have questions about everything else in this world, but the one thing we're sure about is that Jesus came to die for our sins so that we could go to heaven and, all of that. Everything yep. else is open. Like everything else, like we like yeah. was what I was taught actually what the Bible says. And right. so we're we're finishing up season three right now. And so through 24 episodes, it's been it's been interesting to hear the feedback of people who it's like, thank you for saying that. Or they're like, well, what about this? Like, like you said this, what about that? And the the messages and the comments we get about it, like, I want to have a safe place where people can ask those questions. Because one thing we know in student ministry is that the single biggest reason people leave the church after high school is because there's no place for their doubts and their, and their questions. 
Mm. So if the church isn't creating space for the questions, I want to create a safe space that is gospel-centered where you can ask those questions. Because if you're not going to find it that gospel-centered, you're going to find it somewhere else. And oh, yeah. I would rather help. Like, I think Jesus is big enough to answer your questions and to handle your questions and doubts. Um, yeah. If God made the whole freaking world, I think he can deal with me questioning some stuff or being confused about some stuff. So I want to be the place that makes people comfortable to ask those questions and be okay saying, I don't know, man, I I don't know the answer to that one. I, I think it says this, it could say this, but if we can be, if we can be united by Jesus, I am okay with us wrestling through all the other mess. Yeah, that's the essential, right? And so stripping it down to the essential right. of like, I believe in this Jesus guy. And a lot of people, I think, as they're they're deconstructing, they're questioning, whatever you want to call it, um, they're going, I like this Jesus. And I know, and, and even if it's personal experience, right, I know what that has done for me, this belief, this following. Mm-hmm. But let me get rid of everything else to find this. It's almost, uh, you know, it's almost like there's a biblical parable about it. Right. Uh, but you, you leave <laughs> everything else behind to go, I want to focus on this. The rest of this could be garbage. The rest of this could be terrible theology. And as somebody, you know, you talked about your master's degree, you know, that you could argue for a lot of theological perspectives that are all non-essential, right? Like you can hear arguments. I can argue both sides of the coin for so many. Right. We were talking about egalitarian complementarian before, uh, like you can make Mm -hmm. theological arguments for that. You can make theological arguments for the LGBTQ plus community of like what level of involvement in church or what is, what do they actually mean by that? You, Side A, side B, side X. Like we, we have a whole episode dedicated, which to is that. fantastic, by the way, because uh, talk about a hurting community. And so you can make the theological argument. So what is essential? What is Jesus? And I love it. And that's such a part of what we're talking about here on the podcast, right? Of creating cultures that are better on the inside, where you can get more involved, you can get more connected, and you can still follow mm-hmm. Jesus. Why do you think it's so difficult for churches to create safe space for doubts, questions, and anything that may be outside of the normal dogma or the normal the- of their usual theology or their mission statement or their theological statement? Why do you think it's hard for churches to create that space? Okay, so there's a couple reasons I would go to. Um, one of them. I was like, I'm going to use an example. The guy I interned under was an incredible high school pastor, super um, energetic, willing to take chances. I, if he swung and missed, it's okay. Like he was okay with that. He went and planted a church, and I, I I've said this to him, so I don't have a problem saying it on here. Being a a lead pastor neutered him. Mm. He was no longer willing to take some of the risks that he would have taken, the edginess that he would have done as a student pastor, and in large part because he now had people relying on him. Their salaries. He had asked people to, hey, leave your job that is paying you well, that you have insurance, that you have benefits, and let's go start this job. We don't know where the money's going to come from. You're probably going to get paid less. You're going to have to go on like subsidized health care. But we believe God's doing this. And so he felt a responsibility for those people. And he knew if he did too much, 
people wouldn't show up. And if people don't show up, they don't Mm -hmm. give. And when your salary is based on other people's giving, even if you don't want to, you have to be cognizant and recognize what you're doing because there's only so much. And if you ask people to uproot their lives, you feel a responsibility. So from a pastoral side, church planning side, I totally empathize with that. It's one reason why I'm not in ministry anymore because I just can't, I can't play that game or full-time vocational ministry at least. So I think that's one place for it. The other piece of it is I would say on the, the church attender side, we expect our pastors to have the answers. Mm. And in our culture today, we expect our pastor's answers to line up with our already determined beliefs. Mm. And if the pastor preaches the gospel and it doesn't line up with our political or religious beliefs that we're coming into the church already, we're sitting there with closed fists, ready to fight back and tell them why they're wrong. And as Christians, we're not going into church. So there's an old Bob Bob Goff uh, analogy. He said that when his clients went into depositions, he told them to sit there with their with their palms on their laps, palms up. Mm. Because when you sit like that, when you sit with closed fists, you want to punch, you want yeah. to fight back. But when you when you sit open handed, you're ready to receive and you're less likely to fight back. But in our culture today, because in America we have raised politics to the point where religion should be, and politics has now become our religion, whether we realize it or not. If a pastor does not agree with what we think they should, we leave their church and then go somewhere else and we dog them on the way out. Yeah. That's not everybody. Mm-hmm. That's not, I don't want to say it's everybody, but that is a fear of a lot of pastors. So I work with churches all the time in my job. I do marketing and web design. About half my business comes with churches. So I get to have conversations with lead pastors and executive team members all the time about this stuff. And the conversations I have with them are totally different than what they're able to preach because they don't feel safe having those conversations publicly. Yeah, And we wonder why the church is so slow to make changes on some of these theological issues that maybe we got wrong. So say a lead pastor in his 40s or 50s. So he was taught in the 90s and early 2000s. We now have 20 years of research and experience to say, hey, you know what? Maybe that was wrong. Hmm. Well, say it takes him six months to wrestle with that. So he's got to wrestle with it internally, or she's got to wrestle with it internally before they can even take it to their elder board and say, hey, I think we're doing this not the best way. Right. And so now you have an elder board that likely is in their 60s. Mm. You probably have some people who are older along with some younger people. And so now you've got to take what you've been wrestling with for six months and wrestle with them with it for another six months. And so now it's 12 to 18 months later. And the thing that you've been wrestling with, you're now able to present to the church. Meanwhile, Johnny Millennial is 38 years old and has been wrestling with this thing. And because the church hasn't talked about it, they're ready to leave. Mm. And they don't realize that the church is also wrestling with this, but they can't 
present it until they have a better idea of what they feel because people aren't comfortable following people who say, I don't know. Wow. And that just, okay. We could unpack that for an hour and a half minimum. <laughs> well, because you've got this, the ship that is slow to turn, just like any large thing. Mm -hmm. it, it can't respond. It's not light on its feet. It's not agile. And so even if you were going to bring about change, 18 months is usually a minimum. Right. Because it's got to, it, and that's assuming that there's some healthy and good stuff in the culture because it's got to move up kind of from, let's say the folks that are volunteering on the, on, on the, the street level, the level that's like right up with the people mm -hmm. and it's got to somehow get to managers. It's got to get to, you have a whole structure. And so mm -hmm. everybody's theology along the way plays a part in all of this because some folks might be saying, well, I don't agree with that. Right. And so even if you're going to make a change, 18, 12 to 18 months is like a minimum in these mega church kind of environments. I'm sure that some people are listening to from smaller churches, not even mega church. You have 500 person churches that it, it, it takes just as long because you've got to go through the right processes mm -hmm. because you're leading people and you feel a responsibility to have an answer before you present. Yeah. Them something. And well, and so, so much of, yeah, that's so true. Even if you're just considering the layers that creates a problem, but this tension between the 501c3 organization and that's the, the 501c3 organization, like immediately, if you're a spiritual person, you're like, well, that's not as important. And you're like, yeah, I get that. But that's the part that signs your paychecks. That's the part that creates mm -hmm. the, the structure that allows you to buy buildings that allows you to give generously and, and let's be honest, people say, well, the church shouldn't be so industry focused, 501c3 right. focused. However, at the same time, the same people saying that, they want pastors who are there for them whenever they need them. And those pastors can't be there for them whenever they need them if they're working another nine to five job and not working full time in the church. Wow, yeah. So we can't say we we want our pastors and church leaders to be available to do these things, but the business side of it doesn't matter. Yeah. Oh, dude, you preach, bro. That's a great point cuz this 501c3 there's a tension that exists with it cuz you also have the spiritual community. And, you know, in my opinion, the spiritual community is what Jesus is talking about, right? The gates of hell will never triumph over the church. It's the spiritual community. The 501c3s will go right. away at some point. It's not, but you have the tension between them. I don't know people. if it's going to survive the next 10 oh, years. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's, it's going to look significantly different in 2032 than it does today. Preach. And COVID being the, like, the catalyst mm -hmm. for what was already happening. What was already happening. And you see it. There are less people attending churches, whether you're big, whether you're small, whatever that is. My executive pastor, I was talking to him in the lobby the other on this past Sunday. And he's like, when are the other 200 people going to come back? Our giving is up. Our serving is basically back to where it was pre-COVID. But there's 200 people missing from the service. Yep. And when are they going to come back? My dude... And yeah, so I had a conversation with our senior pastor and I've had conversations with other pastors where I have literally said, they're not coming back. We, this is a new reality. We have to accept they're not coming back. Well, well and here, here's what I told him. So this past week was our first time being in church in probably a month. How dare um, you? Sorry. We had, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> well, so, so here's what happened. There was in January, we had snow and ice come through. Mm -hmm. And so it canceled a service. The following week was the peak of Omicron. 
in our in our area. So my wife working with cancer patients. Oh, yeah. We're just being a little careful at times because I mean we're vaccinated, we're boosted, we will wear the mask, but there's still some some times that we're yeah. just like, you know what, let's not do that. Well, the following week we went on vacation. We had a week long trip, so we didn't go to church two weeks in a row there. And then we get back and oh, yeah. life had just hit and we were tired. So there was like five weeks we didn't go. And I told our executive pastor on Sunday, had we not been scheduled to serve. This past Sunday, we probably would have stayed home because we were tired mm. and life had been life. And because we had missed four weeks or five weeks, it was easier to say, all right, we'll go, mm-hmm. we'll go next week. We'll watch on. No big deal. So we liked, I'll say we like, it's easy to say people aren't coming back and that they're giving up on the church. But there's also the reality that people are out of the habit. And, you know, like whether it's working out, whether it's work in your business, whether it's work at like whatever you do, the hardest part of all of it is the momentum yeah. to start. And so we, we haven't given people a reason to come back. We've said, Hey, we're like, mm-hmm. you're welcome to come back whenever you want. Like, but there hasn't been a reason for them to, for us to convince them to show up on a Sunday morning. And a lot of that for a lot of churches is a total lack of empathy for why mm. those people are staying home. It's either, Hey, we've been doing this for so long and no one's getting sick at church. So it's right. safe to come. Why don't they get that? Well, maybe they have, maybe they have COVID anxiety. Maybe they are still worried about this. Maybe they have this, maybe they have that, or you don't realize, Hey, you're at church every mm. Sunday because it's your job. What you don't realize is that people are out of their routine and it's hard to make new routines. So if we were to be empathetic towards the people who are out of the routine, what does that look like? What does our communications say as a former <laughs> communications director and who, who works in marketing? If we were to say, hey, and I know it's been a while since you've been here. I know walking back for the first time is scary. I know you may have different cautions that you want than what we're doing, or you may think we should be doing more or less or that other people should. Mm. We get that. As a church, we were doing this. You're welcome to wear a mask. We have plenty of people on a weekend who are wearing masks. Our kids ministry, all of our volunteers are still wearing masks because we want to make sure we protect our most vulnerable population downstairs who maybe can't get Mm -hmm. a shot at this point. So reach out to us. Let us know what we can do to make you to help make it a little more comfortable for you to show up on a weekend because we really want to see you again. And we would love for you to be to come back and be a part of our our weekly gathering this week. So let us know how we can serve you and we can't wait to hear you and we hope to see you soon. How different of a message is that then? Where's yeah. everybody? Come at? on back guys. Back. Come on, we're open. Come back. Right. Where are yeah. you? It's, it's amazing what happens when you when you wrap your communication. This I could get on a mm. whole different mm. soapbox here. When you wrap your communications to your people in empathy as opposed to what we normally do. And, and yes, get on your soapbox, boy. So, so right, well, so so here in, in marketing, there most churches, most businesses anyway, they make themselves the hero of the story. Hey, come be a part of what we're doing because it's great and it's gonna like you should be a part of this because it's so great. We're so excited about it. It's going to be so great. Come because it's going to be great. 
Well, the truth of the matter is people are the hero of their own story. They have their own things. They have their own wants and desires and problems and needs. When we can position ourselves as the guide, when churches can position themselves as the guide to help people get what they need, which we ultimately know is Jesus, they can't put the words on that yet. They just need some mm-hmm. friends or they need, they're going through a divorce or whatever. When we can position ourselves as the guide and the difference in the guide and the hero, the hero talks about how great they are. The guide shows empathy and mm-hmm. authority. So if we can show empathy along with displaying that we know what we're talking about, then people are more willing to follow us than if we were just position ourselves right. as the hero. I'm, I'm glad you got on your soapbox. That was awesome. Well, so that that's what I that's what I do in my business. I help I help churches and businesses position themselves as the guide instead of the hero. Yeah, shout out to hey, if you want to do marketing with Jonathan, like CoronaDesigns.com. Yeah, Corona Get on, <laughs> jump on. Uh, the things that you're talking about right now, though, that that are so good is a lack, and it connects to the point of not creating safe spaces, is a lack of empathy. Mm-hmm from the church and a lack of authority. And when you mm-hmm. believe you're an authority or an over an overdependence on our well, authority. Yeah, yeah, this is where I would it's when you think you're an authority on everything, you're an authority on nothing. Mm-hmm. And so if you and a lot of the authority that I think people are speaking with is kind of a false authority um where it's not this is what I know, it's when you know everything, people don't want to listen to you anymore. When you know everything. Mm-hmm. But when you have authority on a small, a smaller thing, and it's what we were talking about before with Jesus, where it's like, I'm real confident that this is what Jesus was saying and what Jesus meant. This is where my authority is. And a lot of these questions aren't directly answered. So let's have empathy for people, right? And what they're wrestling with, no matter what that might be. And when you, when you combine empathy and authority, it's, it's profoundly human and it's mm-hmm. profoundly uh, it's really attractive in a lot of ways. And it feels like mm-hmm. not being able to create a safe space for folks to ask questions and to not be a place that uh, a destination for people to come are connected to the lack of empathy and lack of authority. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, it, and even, like, even in our church staffs, yeah. how much empathy does our senior leadership show towards the, the ministry staff mm. or the part-time staff or the volunteer staff, or are those people just a cog to get what we need right. in the machine? Right. Do we like, okay, they, they declined for this week on planning center for the, for serving because, and oh man, they, they declined again. Well, what's going on in their life mm. is like, do we care about the person or do we cons- care about what they can give us? Yeah. And as someone who had to run production for three venues on a Sunday morning, I know how much you rely on that pro presenter volunteer and that lighting volunteer and that camera operator and all of that. I know how big of a deal it is when they say no. And I wish I would have done a better job of looking at the human and not just a planning center person Yeah. when I was in that role. But as I, I think I told you this before we started recording, I learned so much leaving church staff because I realized what the real world is Mm. and the church bubble, the church staff bubble does not represent your church goer at all. Mm. And so it's hard to show empathy towards someone when you don't understand where they're coming from. And we are so 
we we go to church from nine o'clock until five o'clock Monday through Thursday. We're there an hour before church starts on Sunday. We're there 30 minutes after it ends on Sunday. And we have no clue what other people are doing outside of that. Because if you're a lead pastor, chances are you started doing that right out of seminary when you were 23 years old. Hmm. And you've never had another job doing something else. Yeah. Or if you have, it's been a while. Right. Right. Well, everything that you're talking about, and this is a strong word, so I know that I'm using a strong word. Mm-hmm. It's a form of dehumanization. Yes. Where it kind of, and it, he, this is, I'll, I'll go off now at this point, but if you go deal with it, a large, a yeah, if you deal with a large company like Comcast or AT&T or whatever, when you do customer service, you're calling, uh, the reason we hate customer service so much is that you're calling this number. You're talking to somebody who's disconnected from the process, who really themselves- the yeah, probably doesn't really even care. And it makes you feel like a number. It makes you feel like mm-hmm. a problem, not a person. And the, it's not even about size necessarily. It's about system. And so this bubble that you're talking about is once you enter the bubble, once you stop being, once you're on the outside, once you stop being on the outside of the church and move your way to the inside, whether it's a key volunteer or a staff member, it becomes about what you produce, not who you are. Mm-hmm. And these systems, even good people, and we're not, I'm not picking on people individually. I'm not going, this is a bad person. And there are bad people in ministry, no doubt. It's a great place for narcissists to thrive. Oh, yeah. Um, oof. Um, but even good people in a bad system get a bad result. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the system is set up to extract from people because we're producing a product. And so we're just, we're, we're pulling from people. And the whole reason that we started this is that you've got these ministry staffs who are trying to give more than they have, right? Whether it's empathy, whether it's care, whatever it is, compassion, they're giving more than they have because there's not the same kind of flow coming back in. And you end up with people who feel dehumanized and kind of empty. And that's the opposite of what the church is supposed to be. If we take it back to the first principles of what Jesus talked about. And so you're hitting on something significant. What we do, and I've got to give Larry Osborne credit for this because um, I learned our church went out to North coast church in outside of San Diego, spent a weekend there learning from Larry Osborne and Chris Brown and their team and some stuff. So this is a Larry Osborne principle, but he said that in the church, we're really good at creating systems and managing people. Mm. But what we need to be good at is leading people and managing systems. Come on. And so that switch brings the humanity back to our volunteers and our staff members. We have to lead people, manage systems, not manage people. Dang. That's good. Larry Osborne is real smart, man. That guy's that guy's really good. He's made a lot of money writing a lot of really good books because he's yeah, really smart. He knows what he's doing. And the other Chris Brown, not the break dancing Chris Brown. Uh, he's a gr- Chris Brown. Yeah, he's great. It's funny. I think of the same thing with Chris Brown, and I'm like, dude, you can't be slapping Cuniano like that, bro. Um, not cool. That's it's funny that we're both on the same wavelength about that. Tell uh, me you're a millennial okay. without telling me you're a millennial. Yeah, <laughs> that's the first thing we think of. Uh, it's such a fascinating conversation about breaking it down. So, what do we do? Like, where do we go from here? And so, I, I've <laughs> that's, I that's hear what we a, ask at the end of every episode. So. 
So this is the this is the trillion dollar question because nobody knows the answer to this. Nobody knows the next form of church. Nobody knows, right? And maybe it's not different. Maybe we're already there, whatever. Um, we have a lot. We can see the problem pretty mm-hmm. clearly. And I don't know that we, I, for the people that are listening to this, are probably convinced of some of the issues, right? They're not necessarily like, I don't believe that this is happening. Mm-hmm. So where do we go from here? What do we do? How do we build cultures that are better on the inside? How do we unlearn the wrong things from youth group, right? That we're going to therapy for mm-hmm. and start, start following Jesus and learning the right things. What do you think we should, where do you think that goes? So our show, the way we frame every episode is we take a look at a topic. We find the good. Mm. What was the good intention behind what we're doing? Mm. What was the bad result of that? Yeah. We have to put a name to the bad result before we can unlearn it. So we find the good, unlearn the bad, and then figure out where the heck we go from here. And the where the heck we go from here part is always the hardest because it takes time. And people are like, well, yeah. you shouldn't point out a problem unless you have a solution. Bullcrap. Sometimes it we have to point out a problem and identify it and sit in it so we can find a solution. I think from a church mm. standpoint, we need to do a lot more listening than talking. And we're really good at talking and telling people. I think... Yeah, uh, we have to get back to our first love, which is Jesus. Uh, we, we were talking beforehand and about. I did a TikTok the other day where I referenced a tweet by Tim Keller, who, whether you are Reformed, whether you are complementarian, egalitarian, whether you're Arminian, whatever your poli- your theological stance on anything, most people can agree. Yes, Tim is. Keller's pretty freaking great at what he does. You may dis you may disagree with some of his conclusions, but his intelligence yeah, and he's not and reactionary. Is not like he he's a question. dude that's been real steady, real consistent. Right. Correct. And he tweeted that the Bible does not give a full endorsement of one political or economic system. Mm. And people went crazy. And so I mentioned that on TikTok and I, I recorded a one-minute video at 8.30 in the morning talking about how the fact that people went crazy was nuts right. because the Bible was not written as a political book. Put my phone in my pocket, drove to a meeting, got my phone out of my pocket at 10.30 two hours later. It had gotten 18,000 views and 300 comments of people arguing that, yes, that well, the Bible says this, and there were people arguing for a left political perspective and a right political perspective. So in our country, we have mm. put politics in the place of religion. And we now we, we now view politics as a religious entity uh, or at the same level of fervor. So as a church, where do we go from here? Mm. We've got to get back to Jesus. We can talk about all the other things. All like So many of the things that are moral issues that Jesus talked about we have let people take them right. and turn them into political issues. The Bible doesn't talk about how to apply our moral and spiritual mm. beliefs into government. It tells us what to do on a personal level with the church. And so you and I can disagree how we are supposed to take a biblical principle and apply it to our government. But what we should be united in is the fact that we have to care for the poor. 
you and I can care for the poor on a personal level together while disagreeing right. on what the government's role in that is. We can, we can agree that racism is evil and that racism has been, has been around since Genesis and that it's been called out over and over that Jesus spoke specifically on it while disagreeing on what the government's role in fixing racism should be. But if we can't agree on these gospel issues because of our political stances, yeah, then we're never going to get anywhere. Mm. We're just going to get even more siloed. So what we have to do is we, I, I think church leaders have to become incredibly courageous and brave and speak the gospel into these issues. And I say courageous and brave because I know how scary it is to say things that are yeah. going to cause people to leave your church because they have elevated politics so high. But we need our, our church leaders to speak on the gospel mm. and how it applies to our everyday life. So we, we need our church leaders to find a new level of bravery and courage, and courage yeah. that's only given by the Spirit of God. Like that's The only way you can be that brave is because mm. you know you're following hand-in-hand hand with Jesus. But we also need churchgoers to stop being mm. so dang close-fisted on stuff and realize that maybe, just maybe, the things that they think <laughs> could be wrong. And that maybe, just maybe, people in our culture have taken the Bible to push a political agenda when the Bible yeah. wasn't written in that way. The uh, There's a great book, if you haven't read it, um, Misreading mm. Scripture with Western Eyes, I think is the name of it. And it talks about how our culture, our Western culture, injects our right. culture into what the scripture says that is totally different than what the audience right. it was written for would have read it. We got to remember that the Bible was mm. written for Come us, on. not to it us. It wasn't even in English. So, it wasn't even in English. Like, I, yeah. Yeah. So there, there, we can't be so close-fisted on things. And I could, we could talk for hours on the way that the gospel has been weaponized for political systems uh, we we could talk all about that, but that's a different conversation for a different day. And we've got to be open to the idea that maybe, just maybe, what we were taught yeah. doesn't line up with the gospel. And if we can combine, if, if churchgoers can do their part by being open-handed and church leaders can find that bravery that only the Holy Spirit can give them, then I, I don't know what the 501c3 looks like. I don't know what the weekend gathering looks like, but if the ecclesia, the the body of believers, the only way we get back to mm. our first love is Man, that's a word right there. I'll receive that and I love it. And and say so, yeah, I receive it. I'm living it. <laughs> uh, trying to live it. And the bottom line for both of that is humility, right? And when you're talking about Correct. Empathy and, empathy humility, and humility. I love it. Un you know, an attempt to understand the other and attempt to know that you might be wrong. It's yeah. almost like the gospel says we have to have both it's, of those. Is there, the, is there anybody that's ever told us that empathy and humility are important? Is there anything <laughs> in this book that we bash people over the head with? Uh, that Did anyone model empathy hmm, and humility? Let me think about it. Huh. Let me think about it. <laughs> well, I, I, I love what you have to say. Yeah. 
And I think it's hard for people. And, you know, one of the critiques that I kind of have seen in the church is we always want to skip to the answer. We want to move from the problem to the answer. Mm -hmm. And there's this big old in between. It's the suck. It's the suck in between. We have to embrace that yep. suck. So here, so here's what one of, one of the things that this, I heard this phrase at church the morning, I was, in, I was uh, about to start grad school. The morning I knew I was about to get dumped with a girl I thought I was going to marry. So put all that together. I went to church that morning and my and the pastor said sometimes we're too emotionally invested in our own lives mm. to see what God is doing. And to your point, we are so emotionally invested in what is happening right now that we're not willing wow. to go through the process of figuring wow. it out together. Wow. Wow, I'm going to sit with that. And if and, and if we think about it, our life Say, I don't know what yeah. the average life in America is at this point. Mm -hmm. Let's say it's 70 years. The issue we're dealing with today that we're wrestling with feels gigantic. Are we going to remember mm. it three years from now? And if we're not going to remember it three years from now, why are we so impatient at finding yeah. a solution? Why can't we sit with it and work through it? We feel like everything has to happen yesterday when sometimes this stuff just takes time. And we're wondering, well, where's God at in all this? Where's the Holy Spirit in all this? Well, God was is outside yeah. of time. He he exists. Like he he is in yesterday, he is here today, and he is in tomorrow. He's already there and all those things. Uh we're too sober to yeah. get into that conversation <laughs> about time. Oh boy. Oh, but, this is that's a good one. But if but if that's the case, then what is such a pressing issue for us today is just part of what he's doing. And we've got to be willing to like to sit with it and realize that in God's timing, all of this stuff's going to be worked out if we rely on him. But we're so freaking impatient that we want to do it ourselves. We're so emotionally invested in what's going on that we have to have an answer yeah. today. And we could say that's the internet's problem. That's technology's problem. Like that's, that's caused whatever, but I think that's been going yeah. on forever, but being, being humble enough to wait on God, being humble enough to wait on God and wait on his timing. It's not something we're good at. Yeah. So many of our why questions, a lot of times are when questions because it doesn't happen mm -hmm. in the right time frame that we think it should happen or mm -hmm. that we can't be patient. And that, man, I could go off on that one. Jonathan, yeah. So, I, I, so j real quick, uh, let me let me go. In John eleven, you look at the story of Lazarus. So Jesus knew Lazarus was going to die. This was one of his best friends. He knew the people he loved and cared about would be would have to grieve their family member and friend dying. He could have fixed it, but he knew they needed to go through that so they could see his glory on the mm. other side. So he waited a few days and then he wept with mm. them mm -hmm. because he understood what they were going through. He didn't like the fact that they had to go through that. So we asked this question, why would God allow someone to go through this? Why didn't Jesus just fix this? Well, what if we flipped that question and said, if Jesus is grieving that I have to go through this, 
but I believe he is good and wants what is best for me. And he is with me in my going through this. Then that changes the way we view it. And our why questions become, all right, where are you at today, Jesus? Are you with me in this? I trust you that you're going to teach me something through this. This freaking sucks. And he says, I know, but you're going to see my glory through it. And I'm going to weep with you while you weep. Mm. Mm. But in John, John 11 even says they had to see it. Yeah. They had, they had, he did it so that they would believe. I'm a, I'm sitting with that one for a minute. <laughs> that's good. Oh, that's real good, man. That's a great, that's woo. okay. I'm letting that like permeate, right? And Jesus wept. Uh, it's so awesome, man. So we will now, so thank you for that. That was great. Absolutely. We're now thank going you. to our, our special joy segment, our fun segment where we can talk about pop culture and all that stuff. It's the non-judgment zone of joy. I don't know if my producer Garrett has a theme song yet, but I hope Garrett, if you don't, that you're going to use the theme song. It's the non-judgment zone of joy, (laughs) the non-judgment zone of joy, where we talk about the things that we love and we like unironically. Okay. Uh, there's our theme song. So what are, what is bringing you joy right now? What do you want to bring into the non-judgment zone of joy? Okay, so I don't know when this is coming out. So I might date myself and I could I reserve the right to change this opinion. Bel Air is a freaking good TV show. Oh, come on. I wa- I, I watched the first 3 episodes because that's all it's out right now, but when we're recording this, Bel Air is what all American would be if all American was a good TV show. Dang. And I love All American. Like I've like anytime All American comes out on Netflix, I binge the season within like two or three days. Yeah. But it's a terrible TV show. Like All American is the homeless man's version of Friday Night Lights. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so Bel Air is legit good because it takes the premise of All American and puts real world situations on around it. And they like there's language in it. There's drug use in it, but it's not egregious. It's not. It's in a way that fits the characters that makes them more authentic. And so far, three episodes in, Bel Air's a good TV show. Oh, man. Thank you for bringing that to the non-judgment zone of joy, something that's a little controversial. I don't know when this will be out, but I'll let you know. Okay. By then, but by then, what I imagine is that we'll know if this whole season was good. Right. Um, and you you can retract or unretract. Like if you <laughs> honestly, if you change your mind about Bel Air, let me know and we'll record a we'll record okay. a retraction that we could put on. We'll there. do. Yeah. We'll do. Jonathan, that's awesome. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for chatting with us. Thank you for dropping wisdom. That is fantastic. And I'm gonna need to go watch Bel Air now. You do. It's it's fun. Yeah, man. Thanks for being here. Uh you know Thanks for letting me be here. I appreciate you can, it. Man. You can find my dude. What is your TikTok handle? So I'm at Jonathan underscore Carone on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, find me any of those places. Unlearning Youth Group, you can find us uh, wherever you get podcasts. Season three is going to end up at the end of February, so that's probably already done by the time this comes out. Season four is going to be in, I think, April and May or May and June. Uh, we're already planning that out now. And then season five will be this fall in September, October. So uh, plenty of stuff coming out later this year for that. Uh, we're going to dive into some stuff that um, seems to be getting some traction conversations. We're listening to people and trying to find out what they want us to talk about. Um, 
but yeah, get the show wherever you want, follow me wherever you want. And I'd love to talk to you about uh, what your thoughts are on all of it. Oh, dude, that's beautiful. And for your graphic design and marketing needs, reach out to my dude. What's your website? Coronedesigns.com. So Carone. car1 is how you spell my last name. Car1designs.com. Car1designs.com. Hey, thank you, Jonathan. Awesome conversation. Thank you, John. I appreciate you. Oh, man, I really love my time with my dude, Jonathan. And he's going to make me watch Bel Air. It's something that I'm going to have to do now based on his recommendation. But I love him unpacking what the church can help, what the church can do. I also love that he still has skin in the game, man. He's somebody who's still working actively for the church and trying to do good as well as running a side business but i I respect so much being out of vocational ministry now i hope this conversation was helpful to you and helped fill your tank a little bit so we can continue to create cultures that are better on the inside check out jonathan at car one coronedesigns.com you can also find him on the social medias including his tiktok at jonathan underscore corone I would highly recommend doing that. Man, I had a great time talking to him about all this stuff. Man, I hit the subscribe button wherever you're watching or listening to this. We'd love to have you listen to more episodes. This whole thing is about you and about serving folks that want to work for a church or connect with a church or go to a church without losing their soul. I would really love to be able to do that and make you part of this community. And I'm glad you're joining us. Hey, you can find me, email me, ask me questions, comments, whatever. I'm at John Pyle, J-O-N-P-Y-L-E on Twitter. Or you can email me, John, at betteronthetheinside.com. And since we're talking about TikTok, I'm also on TikTok at Ponjile, P-O-N-J-Y-L-E. That's where you can find me there. Hey, this is produced by City Church. It's a podcast produced by my church, where I'm an associate pastor, but also as part of the Church Digital Network. They do amazing stuff. Uh, Shout out to my dude, Garrett. Don't always get a chance to shout him out, the producer of the podcast. Thank you so much, Garrett, for being awesome at what you do. We will be back shortly, and I cannot wait to continue working on creating cultures better on the inside with y'all. I love y'all. See you soon.